You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for His purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real-life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 13 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast, and really, they encourage us to keep going too. So just click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. And thank you so much in advance. We love your reviews. They are so encouraging to us. So for example, Kay to the right recently said, this is going to be a podcast for every mom in any stage of their parenting journey. The leaders of this ministry have so much wisdom. I'm looking forward to amazing things from this podcast. Okay, two observations there, Erin. One, don't you love the names that people choose? Kay to the right, pretty cool. I love that. I don't know what I would choose for me. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, I feel like we have big expectations and I'm really glad we have a very wise guest with us today who can make us look better than we are. <laughs> yeah. Any wisdom that is shared here is not our own. That's <laughs> Just, right. <laughs> it all comes from God above, but thank you for uh, for saying those things and, and trusting us, you know, that you would listen into our our words and and what God has to say through it. Absolutely. We appreciate you so much. Yes. So today's episode is for all of the moms of boys out there. Well, okay. Actually, it's for moms of boys, grandmothers of boys, maybe even mother-in-laws. Mothers-in-law? Mothers-in-law. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Because whether or not you are actually raising boys yourself, we are willing to bet there is or will be one in your life at some point. And it's a good idea to understand him. Yeah, Erin, it's no secret at all that you and I both have all boys. I have two, you have three. In our very first Million Praying Moms podcast, we talked about the importance of trying to understand both sexes and that taking a moment to understand more about the gender you might not actually be raising can change your entire perspective for the better. Yes, that was a great episode. And if you didn't hear that interview with Terry Lynn Underwood, it's number Zero zero one episode number one. We'll make sure to link to it in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. We also said in that first podcast that there are times when moms of boys need to talk to other moms of boys and moms of girls need to talk with other moms of girls. Yeah, today is one of those times. And before we jump into the interview with our guests, we wanted to talk for a minute about the exclusive online communities we host at Million Praying Moms that help make those kind of conversations possible. 
We've actually had a private Facebook group for mothers of boys for years now, a place where boy moms can ask questions, build community, be mentored, receive prayer, you know, feel safe to ask the hard questions that other mothers of boys would understand. And you know, just feel normal about raising boys. Gina Smith, who was on the the podcast just a few weeks ago, talking about how to communicate effectively with our teens, runs that group for us. And she does a really great job of it. She pours her heart into ministering to and mentoring mothers of boys inside of that group. And it's become a blessing to a lot of moms. Yeah. When we made the change from the Mob Society, which of course was our ministry to mothers of boys for nine years. Um, And when we switched to Million Praying Moms, we knew we had to add a similar space for mothers of girls. And thankfully, there was already someone we loved and trusted doing just that. Terry Lynn Underwood, author of Praying for Girls, Asking God for the Things They Need Most, has been investing in the hearts of mothers of girls for years. And when we launched Million Praying Moms, her girl moms group became a part of our ministry. Now we have two moms, Gina and Terry Lynn, who daily pour themselves out for the moms in these groups, offering special live teachings, tips for handling boys or girls in specific seasons or situations, heartfelt prayers and support, and a community that really understands. Access to these groups is available to you as a free bonus when you become a quarterly Pray the Word Journal member. Pray the Word Journal is the prayer journal for busy moms and has helped moms from all walks of life. Brooke and I included, <laughs> make prayer a practical priority. So go ahead and get your membership set up today at PrayTheWordJournal.com. Okay, Erin, let's dive into our show for today. Yes, you are in for a treat today, friends. Today, we are welcoming Monica Swanson to the Million Praying Moms podcast. Monica has been one of our favorite writers about all things boy for many years now. Many of her blog articles helping moms understand what their boys need in various seasons of their lives have gone viral, impacting the lives of moms all over the world. And her new book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You, releases today. Yay! I feel like we need a party. Um, You're going to want to grab this book now if you're a boy mom. So when you're ready, head over to our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com and find the link there. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, hey, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. And yes, I'm here in Hawaii. I live on the North Shore of Oahu. And um, I'm married to Dave, and we've got four boys, which span the age range of almost 20 down to a just-turned nine-year-old. So, Wow, you are just covering all of it. (laughs) I am. You've got it all covered there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you've been, let's see, we've known you in the blogging world for years now, and were one of our original writers with Mm -hmm. the Mob Society back when when everything got started. I will never forget all that. That was such an exciting season for me getting connected with you guys. Yeah. Like, like Brooke said in our groups, like you just need to feel normal and Mm. talk with other boy moms. And I always felt that way with our writers as well. And you included Uh (laughs) just living in Hawaii instead of Nebraska. Right. Yeah. I can't really relate to that part in Virginia, but you know. I know Almost it's a so. hardship for your family to live yes. in Hawaii. And yes. <laughs> I no, will I, say one of the things I'm most jealous of is your, you have bananas, right? 
Yes, we do. Lots of um, bananas. <laughs> like every time I go to the store for bananas, I'm like, man, if I was Monica, they'd just be in my backyard. <laughs> there would be a lot of them. Sometimes more than you want. <laughs> fantastic. I love watching your boys and all of the activities and things that they do, the surfing. And, you know, it just seems like I, I know we're going to talk about some things today you know, that are hard and, and that moms need to hear about themselves, about raising their boys but it sure does look like you guys have a lot of fun at the same time. We, we do. And because my husband and I both grew up in the Pacific Northwest and came from more, a, you know, traditional public school life, traditional team sports life, all those things, this has really been a new experience for us, a new adventure. So we're, we're enjoying the ride too and learning as we go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we are very excited to have you today, and we want to jump right in and start talking about all things boy. Monica, you cover all kinds of things inside of your book, Boy Mom. Um, I love how really each chapter focuses on a different issue that moms are really concerned about when they're talking about raising their boys. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly effective tool in a, in a mother of boys' hands. I feel like it's going to be you know, another one of those um, really valuable resources that moms keep on their nightstand and refer to over and over again and maybe dog ear the pages so that, you know, maybe they haven't gotten to one of the chapters yet in their, their kids' lives, but they're going to get there. So yes, yes. yes. So I tried to write what I wanted when my kids were young, the handbook or a guidebook. So thank you. That's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's perfect. Um, So I wanted to spend some time today specifically dwelling in chapter two, because Mm -hmm. it just really grabbed me. And inside of chapter two, you talk about building a healthy or unshakable. And I think that was the word that grabbed me, unshakable, because there are so many things in this world that threaten to shake our relationship with our our boys. So you talk about building a healthy, unshakable relationship with your son. And you open that chapter by making what I think is a really important point. As women and moms, We are just wired differently than our sons are, and often that prevents us from really understanding them. So I'd like for you to take a minute and talk to us about that and give us a few examples that illustrate that point. Right. Yes, I think that um, depending on how we're raised, I I might have had a slight advantage because I was raised with only brothers, (laughs) and I've always been a little bit of a tomboy, so I think I came into things with a bit of an advantage. And even then, especially when I had just two young boys, And I share in the chapter a little bit that my first son was a pretty mild temperament. And, um, and actually what I didn't, I don't think I went into it all, but that first son actually had some issues at birth. He had some seizures. And so he was actually medicated for his first six months, which means he had a really mellow temperament. So I was tricked. I thought, oh, I'm a great mom. My, my, my baby never cries. He's so easy. But then son number two came along and I was told later that he was a very normal boy. And not only did he cry a lot, but as he got older, um, he just really came into his own. And it was all the boy things, the noise, the energy, the the um, just need for physicality that somehow caught me off guard. Even though I thought I knew everything about boys, I felt really lost and like maybe there was something wrong. So I think that as a woman, as much as we might think we get guys or we love boys and and most of us do, there's still going to be a challenge to really (laughs) understand that wiring because we're just 
so different. Men and women are wired differently and um, chemically we're different. And so to have a little boy who's got that roughness and wildness can really catch us off guard. Yeah. And if like I was raised with a sister and even Mm. my husband only had a sister. So Mm. even talking about the difference between raising a boy and being a boy to having brothers or raising brothers, Mm -hmm. um, that was a huge change for us as well. And I also, I'm a huge sports lover. I really feel comfortable hanging out with the guys and everything that still did not prepare me for the physicality of boys and, and especially several of them together and things that my husband thought I did not act like that as a kid. Did I, I, there's something about brothers that just bring that out in each other and they weren't things that were even happening in our home. So there's something in that wiring that definitely is just, it's there and it just, came out very early in like wrestling in, um, you know, like in the things they thought were funny. Like I, I'm like, I like hanging out with guys and all this, but somehow I just don't understand why my boys talk like this or why they feel the need to do this thing. And so I felt that really deeply. Like you said, I didn't have brothers. I just had a sister, but I hung out with the guys all the time in college. Why, why was this so different? And it is, it's because they just are wired differently and going from that younger age and growing up, you're going to see every little part of that. And it's just uh, yes, so different from kid to kid too. I, I was just going to say, and there is such a, a range. And I think that you, you know, some boys are more mellow by temperament and it, you know, it's, it's all okay wherever they fall in the range. But um, also I think that we're learning more in medicine and science about things like um, different sensitivities, um, whether there's, you know, a spectrum, the autism spectrum is, is big and wide. And I know when my second son was really starting to concern me and it was even things like we would be out in public and he would just literally go full speed running and hit a stranger, like run into a man or run into a wall. It was like, Finally, somebody introduced me to the whole sensory spectrum issues, and I realized that probably he fell somewhere on that of needing that contact. His body was craving that, um, you know, physical contact. Or I would pick him up from the gym play playroom, and he would have a rug burn on his forehead because they said he would just be rubbing his head into the carpet. And back then, I just thought, oh my goodness, what does this mean? When in reality, it really meant nothing. I needed to accept him and love him and teach him the right and wrong ways to get that contact that he was craving. But really, as it turns out, he's like about to turn 18 and reads more books than anyone I know. And yes, he's physical, he's active, but there's nothing unusual. (laughs) He outgrew it. It was okay. Back then it scared me to death. So yeah, I'll tell you guys, I was raised with one older brother. And so that was the only, you know, apart from my mom, that was, you know, I had boy around me all the time. And in addition to that, my dad was one of three brothers and my husband is one of three brothers and their wisdom. Like, I can't tell you how many times I would go specifically to my dad or my husband and be like, is that normal? Like, and he'd be like, absolutely. (laughs) And that was so helpful to me just to have someone I mean, it didn't so necessarily make the, you know, dealing with whatever we were dealing with any easier, but just knowing that it yes. fell somewhere on the normal range of things yes. was really a relief to me. So. It, 
Yes, yes, it was. And I, and I tell the story in, in chapter two here that, that when I finally hired a child psychologist to come and just observe and evaluate my son at the end of the whole thing, his evaluation was quite plainly that my son was a boy. And, and, and diagnosis boy it really i i was sitting there so ready i thought he spent an hour and a half with us you know he's observed everything you know surely he's going to tell me some great diagnosis and he he was an older gentleman and i just appreciated the wisdom and he just smiled and said you have a boy and i just <laughs> part of me was disappointed and part of me was so thrilled to just know this was okay yes. so okay we are proving it's true that the very way we're wired is different from our sons. So mm-hmm. how can we overcome that? Or maybe the better question might be is how can we take the first steps toward understanding our sons? Because isn't it our responsibility to do that? I mean, our sons, especially when they're young, don't have the ability to understand that concept, but we do. And we might be tempted to wish they would do a better job of trying to understand us, but that's not really a reasonable expectation, right? Yes. So how do we overcome that? Or how do we take those steps to understand them better? Right. I think that a big part of parenting is just learning to accept things. So I don't know if we'll ever fully understand them, but maybe just the process of praying that we can accept what we have and love them the best we can right where they're at is, uh, probably the the best advice. It's not super profound, but I don't think I'll ever fully understand my husband. I don't think I'll ever fully understand the men in my life, including my boys. But I do think accepting and embracing, maybe just I over time learn to enjoy them and learn to appreciate their uniqueness and just kind of have more fun with them instead of trying to mold them into something that looks more like me or something that makes my world easier. So just enjoying them and and just, again, connecting with other boy moms and sharing stories and realizing we're not alone. And then seeing to grow out of that, the masculinity, the young men, all the qualities that maybe are so hard to handle when they're young, but then develop them into boys who are strong and protectors and little warriors and seeing that there is actually a beautiful future for these boys if we help them channel their boyness in the right way. I think one of the things that I miss the most about having young boys in my home is that there was a season where every single day somebody was wearing a cape. <laughs> yes. You know, like every, every day they were a superhero of some oh, kind. Yeah. Yes. And I, I miss that. I miss that yes. stage. It was so sweet. And they were so protective of mama. And, you know, right. even if they drove me crazy that day or were at each other all day that day, or even, you know, just on our hardest day, yes. those little things right there, that precious protector heart that they uh-huh. had brought me so much joy. And yes. as, as you know, as I've watched them grow up now, nobody wears a cape in my home anymore, but mm. they do still have you know, out of years of spent, you know, us spending um, intentional hours trying to build relationship with them, they still do want to protect me. They They still, you know, they still have that heart of protection. It looks different as they get older, but it's still there. So I think what you've said is, you know, we just have to enjoy. I I never ran around with a cape when I was growing up. Like that just wasn't what I did. And that's okay. And if there are girls who run around with capes, that's super okay too. But you know, they're different. They're just different and it's not wrong. 
It's right. different, not wrong, I think is the point that I'd like to make. And, and we just have to give them the freedom to be that without trying to force them into any box that we might want them to be in. Absolutely. Yes. And finding healthy resources and outlets, an open field for them to run in, a safe place, sports, activities, finding places they can channel all of that is just super helpful too. Yeah. All right. So I want to circle back to the story that you started to tell us at the beginning. And that was about the difference between your oldest and your second son. And I know, you know, because you've, you've heard me talk about this for so long. It's not a surprise to you that I love that story. And I think, um, you know, you said this, I wrote down the quote, you said, my second son was an absolute handful during his toddler years. He was physically rough. He was impulsive, seemed to prefer throwing a good fit over all other forms of communication. And that caught you off guard, as you already mentioned, because your first son had a much more mellow temperament, which led me to the false conclusion that the ease of our relationship was normal or due to my naturally awesome parenting skills. And then you said, (laughs) ha. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was great because, Uh um, you know, I think when my boys were really little, I I just had countless people, uh, mothers of girls, mothers of maybe some of those more laid back boys that would come to me and say, are they like this all the time? Mm. And my answer to them was always, yes, yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, all the time they're like this. And I think one of my biggest struggles, just me personally, as a young mom, was feeling like looking at moms like you with your firstborn and feeling Mm -hmm. like there was something wrong with me because I, it was, it just was so much harder. And, you know, parenting, at least in that first case with your first son seemed to come so naturally to you. And it just never came that naturally to me. It was always a fight for me, you know, to work with them. And now that I have a few years under my belt, I've realized that there really are some children who just come out more naturally compliant. And there are other children who come out, you know, kicking and screaming and that that's not always a direct reflection of the quality of our parenting. So I'd love for (laughs) you to speak a little bit more to the moms that might be listening today that might feel a little bit like me, because now you've had, you've had both experiences What is that like for you? Speak to that mom for me for a few minutes. Right. Yes. I think that there's, there's so many layers to this. I mean, for one, I think that God can use everything to grow us and our character. And I think that now that I've had four boys and each of them have been really unique and, and the fourth probably has been the least eager to please, I would say personality wise, um, because we are homeschooling here out in the country in Hawaii and we, um, all of our boys have been homeschooled, but now I'm facing this fourth one who just has been the least eager to cooperate and please. And this has probably been the most humbling of all because you start to realize, wow, maybe the other three just had personalities that were easier to work with. So I say, I know that God is teaching me and that I have to look for every opportunity to say, okay, Lord, what do you have in this season for me? Because if I'm doing my very best to raise a son with love and with all the intentionality I can, what are you trying to show me here? Where do I need to let go? Where do I need to move in? And becoming just a student of that son and really beginning to understand their needs, um, how I can meet their needs. And yet, realizing I can't control everything, that God is the only one who can grow this boy up. So praying for them, appreciating them, learning from them, but also letting go a little bit of that need to control or have everyone look a certain way. 
has been really big. It's a very humbling experience. It's, but it's also freeing. I think that there's a freeing element to just saying, this isn't all about me. This isn't my agenda. This is God's agenda. So God, how can I best love this kid? How can I best bring out the best in him so that he grows up to be everything you designed him to be? Not what I hope he will be, but everything you've designed him to be. And, um, you know, the five love languages book is something I refer to often because none of my boys have the same love language and kind of becoming a student of those boys and saying, okay, clearly he's acting out. Is there something that he's missing right now? Is his love tank not full? How can I show him he's loved, but also require a standard of obedience, a standard of character? And it's a big balancing act and we'll never get it right. And I guess I would want to tell the moms, it's okay. No day is going to be perfect. You're never going to feel like a perfect mom. But to be able to tell you now that just a few days ago, that second son of mine graduated high school and the people that surrounded us at our home for a party for him would never have guessed what I went through back when he was a little guy. And to be able to encourage the moms of saying, trust me, it all works out. Even the ones that you want to hire a child psychologist for because you are <laughs> terrified, the ones that you pull out your hair and you worry that there's something terribly wrong. He's actually the most amazing, kind, gentle young man today that reads books and that is a peacemaker. And I just want to encourage moms that it all works out. Don't take it too serious. Don't take yourself too serious and just keep pressing on to find that balance. I don't yes. know if any of that makes sense, but it's oh, all about just love and grace. It's so great. I think our natural inclination when things get hard in mothering is to clench onto control Absolutely. even tighter. And yes. um, the more my kids grow up, the more I realize that helps nothing. I, mm -hmm. I have to, both for my own health and freedom and for theirs, I have to surrender them to the Lord, yes. especially when things get tough, but always, but yes. especially when things are seeming like I have no idea what to do with this, that is not the time to hold on tighter and, and try to take over all control because you will internalize it. You will make it all your fault. You will make it all your job to make things turn out the way they're supposed to when that's not our job at all. And I love that idea that we need to humble ourselves both, you know, for that surrender, but also for freedom to, from yes. being in control of it all. Totally. And I'll add there, I think that we, part of the control is that we want to label them. We either want to say they have a diagnosis or we want to say they're just, you know, I, I, I hear from moms that say, I just don't even like my child. You know, I, I want to, but I don't like my kid or we want to. But sometimes I think we need to let go of that need to even give it a label because they're growing, they're changing. Again, that kid that might be the most crazy wild kid might grow up to be the most calm, peaceful. And so we got to do our best to just let God grow them up however he wills. Yeah. So we, we homeschooled for several years um, and they are in school now, but um, the first, I, I homeschooled our oldest kindergarten through third grade and he and I were just, you know, two heads bumping all the time. We were, we were just oil and water when it came to school. And, um, I just thought, oh my gosh, this relationship is going to be like this for forever. We are both too strong-willed. We have, you know, we're not exactly alike in personality, but we have too many similarities that we're just going to be butting heads forever. And I can tell you as a testimony for all the moms out there, for us, it took him going to school and me being just mom to him. Mm -hmm. And 
he tells me everything now. He oh. is, we are enjoying things together. You know, we don't have it all perfect. We don't have it all figured out. We still do butt heads sometimes, but it's not like that all the time. Sure. That was his and I's issue was the, the, I can't be teacher and mom to you and still be a good mom to you. It just didn't work for us. And so while I tried so hard to be both and, and work through that and hold on to the control of making this work, yes. once he went to school, things just changed completely. And we uh, get along so well, even through the tough teenage years and everything. Yes. There are going to be those times where you're like, I don't get it. Why are they like this? And they they will grow out of it or God yes. will use it to shape them in some other way or Absolutely. they'll become a great lawyer or, you know, yeah. like, Right. Who knows? You know, we have uh -huh. one who we're pretty sure is going to be a judge. <laughs> he's always correcting everyone and right. he's always right. So we said yes. he can't be a lawyer because <laughs> he's in trouble with the judge. So let's just make him the judge and then he can be his right self all the time and not in trouble with Avart. But uh, like you said, God uses it to grow us and uses it to grow them. And that's such a great perspective. My dad tells a story. He, I mentioned, had three brothers and we were at a family gathering one time. I'm the baby of our family. So mm -hmm. a lot of the, of my cousins are a good bit older than me. And, and so I was little and they were watching all the cousins, you know, hang out together and play together. And, and so my dad was talking to his oldest brother and he looked at him and he said, Bob, are these kids going to turn out okay? Like what's going to happen to these kids? And, and my uncle Bob uh, looked at my dad and said, Dave, these kids are going to turn out just fine in spite of us. And I've always, I've loved that. And, and it, oftentimes that's been my prayer for my mm -hmm. kids is Lord, yes. will you please make this work in spite of me? Like Absolutely. I'm going to get things wrong. I'm going to make a mess of things here and there. I'm not always going to make the right decision or do the right thing, but we serve the God who does things in spite of us. And that brings me so much peace and so much joy in my parenting, it's really that freedom you were talking about yes. to just realize that there's only so much of this parenting gig that's really our responsibility. The rest of it is up to him. And that's, that's right. very freeing. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. So you quoted Meg Meeker in chapter two with words that really, really stuck with me and made me think. Meg says, you mom are the prism through which he will see all women. If you are trustworthy, he can trust his sister, his grandmother, his teacher, and yes, his wife. That's pretty powerful. You know, that's a, that's something that's going to stick with you for a while. So honestly, it almost kind of feels like a responsibility that is too much to bear. Right. alone at least. Sure. So what are some tips you can offer moms for building a foundation of trust with their sons and, you know, not making it seem like this is all on us? Cause it isn't like we just said, it's not yeah. all on us, but we are that prism. Like she said. Right. right. I, I love this topic partly because it's something I do talk to my, especially my youngest a lot about even now. Um, just because he sees his older brothers and he sees them doing so many things and sees this, freedom that they have and this trust I have in them. And I tell him, say, I just say, you know, buddy, they earned these things over years of proving themselves trustworthy to me. And so I, I, I find this issue of trust to be a huge building block of a great relationship with our sons. And I do encourage moms to recognize the trust does go both ways where I want my son to prove himself trustworthy, to be a man of his word, to never lie or be deceitful in any way. 
I also realized there's a burden on me to be trustworthy to him. But what I love about this is it's not about being perfect. Throughout the book, I, I, I don't know if, if it's a selling point or if it'll scare people, but one of the things I return to chapter after chapter is the importance of just who we model ourselves to be in front of our kids, living so authentically that our kids are drawn to the life that we model to them. And I want it to be so clear that this isn't about living perfectly. It's not about being a perfect Christian. It's not about being perfect in any category, but it's about living authentically. And so much of that in my experience, has been just being open with my boys, being able to say, I let you down. I told you I would be somewhere at a certain time and I wasn't there and I am so sorry. Mom made a mistake and just owning that because I think that they're going to discover that we're human. They're going to discover that we make mistakes. But if we don't have the humility or if we don't recognize how important it is that we communicate with them about that, we can miss some real opportunities to demonstrate a dependence on God, to demonstrate humility, to just really build a relationship that is authentic between two people because they are going to grow up and they'll be young men one day. And then you have a relationship that's not mommy to son, but, but human to human. And so I think that just being really honest and real and walking through life each day. And, and for me, being trustworthy is about, um, you know, I say in the book that they learn trust from mommy when they're a baby and they cry and we pick them up when they're hungry and we feed them. They're learning trust foundationally. But then as they grow up, it's things like, do they overhear me talking about them to a friend sharing an embarrassing story? Do I post something on social media that would embarrass them? And, and I've been busted. They've caught me doing that. And I've had to remove it and apologize and say, I don't know what I was thinking. Please forgive me. And in doing that, it shows that, yes, I made a mistake, but I'm also sensitive to their needs and their thoughts, and, and we can talk about that. And so I think a huge part of earning our son's trust is just really being authentic, talking about our faith, talking about our challenges, talking about where we've screwed up and where we're working to do better. And yes, there's a burden of responsibility on us, but it's really one that as believers, I think we should have anyway. It's saying, how can I be a better person? How can I be more what God has called me to be. And part of the motivation is my kids are watching. My kids are listening. My kids are modeling after me. And so that ought to only inspire us to do more of what we really in our heart want to do as followers of God anyways. So I think that authenticity is key. It's not being a phony. It's not putting out a, a pretend, you know, pretense. It's being honest and, and striving after God in an authentic way. Let's spend our last few minutes today talking to the moms who maybe feel like they've already messed things up with their son. Hmm. So maybe they feel the burden of a broken relationship, or maybe they haven't done a good job of building a foundation of trust. They feel like their relationship is completely shaken instead of unshakable. Let's talk to her and give her some hope today. Based on our conversations, what are some steps that she can take to begin mending and healing that relationship with her son. Sure. I, I love this because I think this is really all of us to some degree at some stage. And even what I was just talking about, just that, that authentic communication is probably the best advice I can give. And, and I think some of us are more communicators. I happen to be a real talker with my boys, but there's some moms who aren't real comfortable just saying, I messed up and I'm sorry. But I encourage you, I challenge you, if that's you, if it's hard for you to turn to them and maybe you've always had that role of mom and, and you're parenting them, 
but to ask God for the strength to just come at them human to human and just confess where you've made mistakes, to own that. Now, this doesn't mean we need to apologize. If they've made mistakes, it's not always our fault. We don't have to apologize on their behalf, but we can own the part that we know in our heart we overlooked or messed up or some area we failed in. And then to just come alongside them and say, I'm on your side. This, this, we're not, we're not, um, enemies in this. I'm, I'm here to support you and help you. And even if you've blown it, I want to help you get back on course. How can I best help you? And I think our kids are, are more um, open to our help than we think sometimes. They just need to know we're not going to scold them or, or condemn them or shame them. When we let them know we're here for them and we're fighting for them, Brooke, like you talk about, fighting for your boys, not with them, that, that is just such a key, I think, is letting them know you're on their team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That has been one of the most powerful mindset uh, transitions or resets that we've had in our family. In fact, soon after the Lord gave me that, you know, I, I remember, I remember that day when he, I just felt like almost like God was audibly telling me that, you know, your boys need someone to fight for them. And I've chosen that person to be you. Um, I'll never forget that. Like I'm just sitting here, it's been years ago and it gives me chills to think about that profound moment for me. I remember soon after that, my, my oldest son, who was very young at the time, I think he was maybe in the second or third grade when that happened. And we were homeschooling too at that time. And uh, he, we had had some kind of discord that day, um, you know, later on after, after God spoke those words to me, but uh, he, he was upset with me and we'd had an argument or something. And he went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and said, mama, I had a dream. And I asked him to tell me about his dream, because I never remember my dreams. I don't know about you guys, but I never remember them. It's so rare. So I'm always fascinated when somebody actually remembers their dreams. So he came to me and he said, I dreamed that we were going to battle as a family. And I said, well, who are we fighting against? And he was like, I don't know. I couldn't see who we were fighting against, but we were going to battle as a family. And he said, I knew in the dream that if we didn't hold hands and go into battle together, we were not going to win. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. And that was it. I mean, that was his, you know, second or third grade interpretation of, of what happened. But (sighs) I think about that over and over again. And there's been so many times when I've been able to go back to him and say, Hey, sweetie, you remember that dream? I don't feel like we're holding hands right now. How can we get back to holding hands? You know, and there will be a time when we're not going to be holding hands because you're going to be out there fighting against the enemy with your own family. But right now you're in our home. So let's Mm -hmm. figure out how we can cross the, the, you know, bridge the the gap and hold hands because we're not going to win this if we don't do it together. It was one of those just really powerful moments in, in our, you know, relationship with each other that God was so good to give him because it's just a beautiful illustration. Wow. That's special. Yeah. And practically we've talked about this before and you mentioned this too, for the moms that are out there that feel like their relationship is just not where they hoped it had be with their son. It goes a long way to really study your child, Mm -hmm. to really know what do they like? What, like you said, the five love languages, how do they feel loved? Even if you feel like you've messed it all up already, start there and and say, like, how can we get on the same page? You know, it, like, 
it may sound silly, but the fact that you try to understand their love for the Marvel movies or something could mean a repaired relationship because you showed enough to care. Even if you're not communicating on other things, it's a starting point. Even if it's like, I, you know, I know that their love language is acts of service and I went in and I cleaned their room and I didn't say another thing. Like there are just like really simple practical things like that, that may seem like our relationship is way too far gone for those things to work. No, like they are, they are the, the building blocks for moving back to that healthy relationship. Definitely. And I do want to remind moms, I think so easy for moms to just assume my kids have checked out. They don't really want a relationship with me anymore. And to think it might just be a thing of the past, like they're tweens now, they're teens now. But I just, from all the research I've done and my own experience and many moms I've talked to, whether they're teenagers or above, our boys want a relationship with us. They really do. And I think if we take that little step towards them, it's pretty amazing how they will turn back towards us. And I think they crave a relationship with both parents more than most moms realize. Yes. Amen to that. Well, we always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share a verse or a passage from the Bible that they're currently praying for their children. So maybe you have one, maybe you have one for each kid, Mm -hmm. but we'd love to hear what you're praying for them. Yes, always, always. Well, I just happened to have been in Psalms recently, and there's so many good Psalms to pray for your sons. Um, Just this morning, I happened to be in um, Psalm 101, verse 3, that says, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. And this just stuck out to me so much. Again, that was Psalm 101, verse 3. partly because my my college son has been home and just sharing some of the challenges of being in a college environment and how he's been challenged in a good way to really hold on to his own faith because even some of the Christians, quote unquote, Christian friends who, you know, there's some really good ones, but there's some that he realizes are, are really living compromised lives. And so he's been so encouraged to just make a declaration that I will not set my eyes on anything that is vile. And I've just prayed that he would be built up in that conviction. Um, I'll share two other from Psalms because these are two I've prayed for my boys since the beginning. And that is Psalm 119 verse 9 and verse 11. And verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? And I've just prayed that my boys would live according to God's word, that that would keep their heart pure. And then verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I've reminded my boys of these verses and I've prayed them for many years. That is so good. I love those verses too. And they've, you know, it's, it's one of the fun things about getting to hear our guests um, tell us what they're praying for their kids is that we realize a lot of us are praying the same things. Yes. A lot of us are asking the Lord for the same things in our kids' lives. And I love that so much. So Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners as we wrap up today, where they can learn more about you and where they can find you online. You bet. Yes. So my home base is my blog, my website, which is monicaswanson.com. And my book, you can find at monicaswanson.com forward slash boy mom book. 
I believe you can also just go to boymombook.com, but um, I think you'll be sharing it as well on, on this, what your website for the mm-hmm. podcast. Um, on Instagram, I'm Monica Swanson underscore. And on Facebook, I believe I'm still at the Grom Mom. Monica Swanson. If you look for the grand mom, you're likely to find me, but that's my old name from way back. Yes. You have to take a second to tell people what that is. <laughs> yes. yeah. They'll be like, what's the grand mom? Did I, I find know. the right person? <laughs> right. So if you live in a beach community, a surfing, even snowboarding community, you might be familiar with the term grom. A grom is basically a kid who surfs or skates or does board sports. So if you're from Australia or California or Florida, you might know about groms. And um, went back when I started blogging, eight and a half years ago, I had four little groms, grommets, groms. And so I called my blog back then, thegrommom.com. And that was my Instagram for years and it's still my Facebook. And I believe it's my Twitter still as well. So um, anyway, it, there's your new vocab word for the day. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's it. Yes. And um, as always, you can find any specifics for our show, like Monica mentioned, um, like picking up her new book, Boy Mom, What Your Son mm. Needs Most from mm-hmm. You, in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. And we're going to have you tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we will be dedicating an entire show to talking about what your daughters need most from you. Yay. <laughs> Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.